Watch this. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I'm Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Cal Wing. Hello. And Bruce Fitzpatrick. Hello. Today we are lucky enough to get a fantastic guest on. Um, He's worked in the sports industry for over 16 years and having worked with some of the leading golf brands, including TaylorMade, was one of the youngest account managers in their history, winning account manager of the year in only his second year with the brand. Since then, he's gone on to co-found Modest Golf Management with Niall Horan, and he heads up the Horan and Rose biannual charity event and is director of the ISPS World Invitational. Uh, we're really pleased to have you on. Mark McDonald, welcome. What an intro. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I should step up on the first tee now. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mark, how are you doing? How are you, uh, there. <laughs> how are you uh, <laughs> passing the time during the lockdown? Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks for having me on and congratulations on all the, the great uh, work you guys are doing. I, I love the podcast. Um, yeah, I guess I'm in the same boat as everyone, really. I mean, if you'd have told me this was happening at Christmas, uh, I wouldn't have believed you, right? Um, but we're all kind of, I feel now everyone's sort of settled into this kind of unique life we're all now leading with uh, minimal contact with people. Um, I'm trying to be as proactive as, as possible and talking to all our players every day. And, um, you know, the guys are trying to do, the guys and girls are trying to do what they can in their limited spaces, whether it be fitness, whether it be um, short game. So they're, they're all kind of doing what they can. But, um, yeah, I guess first and foremost, it's just about keeping everybody healthy, sane and, and, and safe right now. That's all we can really really do until we have more clarification of when the tours will be up and running again and then we can get some sort of um schedule to to build the guys to 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 go back out and compete again you know and um how are the players faring i mean what are they doing are they are they i imagine you've got completely different ethoses when it comes to to the break are some of them working really hard and grinding away or or some of them just sort of chilling out no, I think that a combination of everything, really. I think a lot of them are going to come out with quite dodgy haircuts because they all seem to be doing uh, Guido Migliozzi, actually, just, uh, I don't know if you saw on Instagram Live, just... Uh, I did see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're all going to come a bit less groomed than they're used to. But um, no, seriously, I think, um, you know, it really probably shows a level of uh, professionalism that these guys have, and it probably gives you an indication of how they have kind of achieve so much in the in in the game because you know they'll do what they can in limited spaces they've got the guys who haven't got gyms at home are creating their own gyms they're popping up practice nets they're 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 being as creative as they can right um but uh yeah i mean it's it's not it's not ideal at all um no one wants to be in this situation clearly but i think you know all the, the guys when speaking to them they're, they're just very fortunate to be be safe and well right you know when you yeah. turn on the turn on the news and you see what's going on it, it kind of probably puts everything into perspective and uh, we all love the game and it, it's it provides a living for all of us but at the same time it, it's a game and there's a much sort of serious picture going on really so uh, but yeah, the, the the guys and girls are are kind of uh, 
enjoying a little bit of downtime um they they live their lives on the road all the time they're just really trying to make the most of it but yeah i think uh, as soon as um that uh, you know it, it lifts and we can go back out they'll be straight on that golf course as, as quickly as they can as i'm sure we all will you know yeah and is uh, tyrell still playing a lot of video games i know he's quite a keen gamer from having followed him on instagram and uh, yeah, I think he's doing a, I think he's putting in a solid five hours a day at the minute. <laughs> so don't, don't, play him, don't play him for money. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he is a massive gamer. Um, he, he loves it. Uh, he plays online a lot. Um, but no, Tyrrell's in a great spot. Obviously, for someone like Tyrrell, you know, he was on such a high. His, his mm. form was so great, having just obviously won the Arnold Palmer. Um it was quite a um, unexpected stop in his momentum, really, and uh, his game was trending in a in a great way with some really big tournaments uh, coming up. But obviously, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, but yeah, he's getting a lot of gaming in. Um, he's really got into his fitness since his wrist surgery at the back end of last mm. year. He's putting a lot of time into fitness and and uh, getting in there and, and stronger. And um, I think spending a bit of time with his fiance as well, which is always important, right? Absolutely. He certainly seems like the uh, type of guy I'd take it on the chin, <laughs> and um, what will be, what will be, sort of. Yeah, thing, he guess. is. I mean, um, we, we started working with Tyrrell. Uh, he signed with the business just coming up to twelve months ago. Uh, I cannot speak highly enough of Tyrrell. I think, you know, as a golf fan myself. I love him. I think he's really got in a great space now with his attitude on the course and what have you, where for me, he is just so relatable. You know, he's like every 14 handicap who goes out on the course, who thinks they can go <laughs> to the yard and men don't understand how they miss the green. And I love that. I, I, personally, I, I love that he's not um, too robotic. He wears his heart on his sleeve. I think he's really, really sort of relatable for your golf fans, and he's he's great to he's great to watch and uh, to see him handle himself so well on that last round um, at the Arnold Palmer when you know the course was set up in in such an incredibly difficult way and to make that double going around the turn and stuff it was great to great to see and he, he really is and i think in a in a great spot and it's great to to see him get that recognition in america now as well as obviously the recognition he has received in europe over the last few years yeah definitely yeah i think the thing with the uh, with bay hill is when terrell he got that double apart from that he was he was sort of tootling along sort of quite nicely and the um and that that setup at bay hill just looked insane it looked so difficult on that last day and he's really handled it. i think he saw everyone else going backwards and just thought you know i can plug away yeah it was like a u.s open menu right it was that kind of and it was for me i enjoyed watching it you know as much as i love seeing the guys shoot you know 20 under over four rounds of gold. It is nice to see the opposite end and even have to grind, right? Um, mm. Even play sometimes shots like you or I would play on the course, probably on a on a very regular basis. So, um, no, I really enjoyed that setup. Um, I think it's nice to have that mix of, you know, real low shooting 63, 62s, but also on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, a 73, 72 and you, you you know you're in the top five of a of a tournament. So no, I, I really enjoyed the um the setup. 
but obviously the timing of this break's not not great for Tyrrell and many you know uh, Christian also was was training yeah. really well I mean at this time uh, with with the break that's going on um, are you quite hands-on with them or is this a time that, that you just sort of let them sort of get on with their own stuff um, it's a bit of both, to be honest with you. You kind of want them first to switch off and enjoy this because I guarantee when we get back out there and the schedules are up and running again, they're going to be very full on. Uh, there's going to be lots of golf, lots of you know big, big golf events jam-packed into quite a short space of time. So you know now's their time to try and um, stay <clears throat> fresh and um, get as healthy as possible. But at the same time, obviously, there are certain commitments um, – you know, while the guys are at home with some of the media and, and all those sorts of obligations that they, they need to fill and, and what have you. So, um, I'm in regular contact with all the guys, but that's what, you know, I'm in regular contact regardless of where they are and what they're doing, whether they're working or not. But, uh, you try and leave them alone as much as you can, but they do know that I'll be on the phone nagging a little bit and, uh, needing them to, to do a bit of work for me at, at certain points, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And how about um, sort of outside of COVID-19 and sort of normal times? Are you, um, do you get to play much yourself? Or have you got sort of club nearby? I think North Hants from memory. Yeah, sure. Yeah, North Hants my course, which is the south of England, which has a really nice crop of um, courses, Wentworth, uh, Sunningdale, West Hill, Warpleston. It's got an array of really, really fantastic um courses obviously it's where justin rose uh grew up and and um dominating hampshire golf from 12 years old he won the hampshire hog which is a massive amateur event in the south of england at at 14 years old um so yeah it was really obviously interesting to as a you know as as a friend of his to kind of watch his journey from such a young age and and all the kind of uh trials and tribulations and speed bumps he came across before he kind of really established himself in golf you know so he's a great I think he's a great blueprint for for your younger players coming through which is kind of what our business has always been about it's been about young talent so you know Justin is someone who constantly crops up in conversations when you're talking about youngsters or they're nervous about their start to pro golf or it hasn't quite worked out. I mean, 21 missed cuts to then go on to become world number one a few years later. It's uh, sunk out of a fairy tale, right? Oh yeah, it's a remarkable yeah, story, isn't it? It's a testament to just how hard he works and he's someone who's very active on social media. And I think for anyone who follows him, you can just see how he, even now he's, uh, you know, working hard on his indoor simulator or, or he's always sort of hitting golf, golf balls and practicing at every facet of his game. And, yeah. and as you say, I mean, you know, someone who I've got to know relatively well, just because I was up at the university of St. Andrews when I did my undergrad was Bradley Neal, who won the amateur yeah. in 2014. And I know he's, um, well just he's got some amazing stories about how generous and giving of his time Justin Rose has been in terms of giving younger players advice and maybe when it doesn't go to plan was you when you just start out on that professional career he's someone who you can just turn to and he says you know there there is light at the end of the tunnel if you work hard and apply yourself you'll get the rewards in the end yeah absolutely Justin is a, an inspiring guy i think He's, you know, you mentioned about how you see him on social still grinding. Justin's got every reason that he's, you know, he's obviously getting on to late 30s now. He's even most in the game. You wouldn't blame him if he was doing 
the opposite and kind of, you know, slowly not, not playing as much or playing as many events. He's as switched on as ever, you know, he, mm. he's looking always constantly for that extra one, 2% to, to be able to, to perform to a higher standard and get better and get better. And I think it's always admirable for someone who is at the latter part of their uh, playing career to still want to, you know, to, to look for those, um, one percenters, which are going to make the difference. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, Bradley, I'd, I'd know, well, my brother actually is, is, is um, set up in that management company. Yeah, yeah. You look after Justin. A bit um, of family competition there. Bit of, yeah, lots of family <laughs> competition, yeah. We social distance all the time because we don't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but no, uh, yeah, that aside, you know, Justin will give up his time to, to anybody who, who would ask if he can. Um, he's just um, resurrected the... Uh, Telegraph series, a junior Telegraph series, which is a, a nationwide um, event to try and drive younger people in golf. And he's constantly doing as much as he can. Yeah, so he's uh, he's an inspiring guy. He's great for the game, right? As well, he's um, mm. Ryder Cup and Olympic hero. Indeed, I saw that he popped across into the uh, and surprised them out there, didn't he? Went out with the, the Telegraph, the juniors, and actually flew out there to surprise him. It was a really nice touch. Yeah, he, he, he really is aware. I think, um, you know, I think you you find that, and it's probably not always written, but you, you see these top guys do do all they can to, to give back to the game. You know, what I'd always say about these top professionals is they're traveling so much, they have limited times with their families. You know, they have every reason to, when they're home, just be home and spend with their families and no one will blame them. But they all, they all do try as much as they can to to give back to that next generation which is important i think because you know it is a game which you constantly need to work at create you know creating excitement and and, and encouraging those kids to to put down their xboxes and to come out and and to play golf and and to drive those numbers and i guess the guys at the very top of the game you're justin jerory's and what have you those are the those are the, what the young guys are practicing in their gardens wanting to, to, to be like. So anything from those guys to, to help generate more interest in the, in the game is, is great for everybody. So just um, going back to the beginning in your case, in your journey in golf, could you perhaps yeah. talk our listeners through how, how you kind of got into golf and how you, you got started? Um, I know Tom mentioned briefly that you were an account manager at TaylorMade to begin with. Yeah. So um, I, from a young age, never had aspirations to be a professional golfer. I just knew, I think it was probably a combination of being reasonably sensible about my ability in the game. Also growing up at the same golf course as Justin and being a friend and seeing, you know, for example, when he turned professional and missed 21 cuts at that age, I was probably 13. So that was probably an age where, you know, a lot of young guys are maybe considering, oh, that's maybe a career I want. Seeing how good he was and missing 21 missed cuts, yeah. I knew I was so far away from being anywhere near that. Well, I kind of started out in golf, never ever aspiring to be a professional golfer. I just wanted a career in golf. Um, so I, um, when I, I went to university, I uh, did a management degree, um, at Southampton, but during that time, I took it upon myself to um, speak to Adidas Golf, which was based near the university, and I just asked for some part-time work and started working in the factory and 
building golf clubs. It was at the time they, they owned TaylorMade and what have you, just being a general kind of um, warehouse worker. But what that did was it, it, it allowed me the opportunity to meet people in golf. Um, and when I finished my degree, there were no current jobs at, at TaylorMade or Adidas, but somebody who I met there had moved across to Cleveland Golf, who had been brought by Shrikton. Uh, so I got an opportunity there. And then uh, three or four years later, um, somebody from Adidas and TaylorMade who I'd met um, headhunted me and asked me to come back. So it was amazing that, you know, you could look at a warehouse job, you know, as uh, mm. how, how is that going to kind of give me a break in, in golf? You know, I'm studying for a degree or what have you, but it really did introduce me to the right people. Some of the most influential people of, of my career to date um so then yeah so then i was uh, established at TaylorMade and adidas and and uh, i was there for seven amazing years it was a great company it was around the time the rocket balls uh rain came out which kind of broke down a lot of barriers and the we yeah. were releasing the the first white products and crazy stuff which at the time yeah. people were like you know that's never going to catch on i mean you know a few years later, we're playing with orange clubs. We're playing with all sorts, aren't we? Right. Um, <laughs> they were yeah, really, you know, true, yeah. yeah, I always felt, you know, TaylorMade were innovators in, in what they did. Um, but again, through, you know, the wonderful game and, and through meeting people at TaylorMade Adidas, I got introduced to a company called uh, Modest Management. Um, Modest Management is a, is a company which has been in music for 20, 25 years, and they looked after huge worldwide acts and currently look after uh, Ollie Murs, One Direction, Catherine Jenkins, um, Little Mick. You know, they, they've been, they did the Spice Girls reunion uh, last year, and they were looking to get into sport. Um, I started a relationship with a lot of their clients um, from JLS and from One Direction and um, I became a Pally Renial and, and they wanted to get into to the sports world and I always felt it was just such a great fit because having seen both sides and, and being friendly with the, the guys in music and entertainment, I just felt that golf was a little bit behind um, in terms of it needed to get a bit more cool a bit sexy a bit more appealing to to younger people and we just felt um Niall was very very passionate about he kept seeing young golfers who would be talked about a lot but then the next thing you know that you, you hadn't heard of them again or yeah you heard the story that they'd lost confidence in their game and quit the game and and i guess he that really kind of probably hit home for him, you know, because he was in a similar position in music, right? He was 15, 16. He needed a break. He was fortunate to get one off the X Factor. He got the break he needed, but then through his amazing talent and what have you, he's, it, it took him on to have a hugely, hugely successful music career. So I guess he, it just was something he really wanted to be involved in. And I just felt it was a perfect fit. And whilst we can't do everything, we just felt we could um, have a really great young business which could help young talent break through and it was a unique business with a unique story which, which is why we felt that it would probably appeal to, to younger players yeah it could be such a lonely place out on tour i imagine as a as a young pro just starting out not to mention just how prohibitively expensive it can get if yeah. you're you know out on tour and you're struggling and you've got all these travel costs and accommodation costs and even just you know cost of entering a tournament or or 
you know, trying to keep your card. Um, so yeah. it was, that was always something by the sounds of things that you were kind of quite explicit as your focus at Modest Golf was targeting those younger players who have maybe had, you know, dazzling amateur careers, but to make that as Justin Rose, who you know, was a close friend to you, proved that jump from the height of amateur golf to making it as a pro, that's quite a difficult leap to take in many cases, isn't it? It really is. And like still, I'd love to have the formula of what makes a, a great young amateur hit the heights of pro golf because there's no, mm. there is no formula. Um, yeah. But I think you can probably help narrow the the potential to to not make it by as you say kind of trying to support them financially um trying to just take away some of their pressures um which they would have so that they can play carefree i always mm. think you know with amateur golf you know when you've got that you know i always think like you see a lot of amateurs are great putters and then they turn pro and suddenly that thinking about um well, hang on, I'm, you know, I'm putting for make the cut here or I'm putting to cover my hotel for the week. That's yeah. a massive switch in the mentality of just, I'm putting this to try and win an amateur tournament and stuff. So I guess, you know, there is no kind of formula for it, but it's just about kind of trying to support these guys so they can play as carefree as possible going into to, to pro golf. I don't mind. I, I think it's sometimes a good thing for guys to have their struggles at the start. I think, you know, if it comes too easy initially, you can always have that danger of becoming maybe a little bit complacent. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, we talked about Tyrrell, you know, Tyrrell, it didn't, nothing came to Tyrrell. Tyrrell went through all those feeder tours. He played the Euro Pro. He played the Challenge Tour. He then played the European Tour. And then obviously then he's gone on to represent Europe at the Ryder Cup. And, and now he's a, a champion in America. So for me, it's never a bad thing to have like, struggles because I think mm. that really helps you become stronger. It highlights your weaknesses, but it, it's, it's definitely a, a massive, massive, um, it's, it's, uh, it's underrated. I think the, the, the challenge that you just think, Oh, I'm turning pro and I'm just still playing golf, but there are various pressures come with a pro golfer that don't, you know, when you're just playing as an amateur, you know, for, for no prize fund or anything. Yeah, I think maybe people, especially young kids and uh, a lot of people in my generation be guilty of it, seeing someone like Tiger Woods and, and Rory McIlroy just have completely smooth ascents to the top of the game from good amateur careers and dominating there. It, it, you actually realise now looking at it kind of in the round that's that's really the exception rather than the rule the vast majority of people will you know go and play walker cup and play um and win some big amateur events but then will struggle to to make that transition there is a there is a kind of um a learning curve as it as it were that you've got to go through to to compete at the highest level on the professional tour yeah um, yeah absolutely there is there is no route um as you say you've got your tigers and your rories and then you see some of the college amazing college kids who break through mm. pretty pretty easily you know your matt wolves and people like that but uh there is no set way but uh i think it's it's fantastic to see when the likes of uh, you know i use guido migliozzi our young italian as a as an example you know he he didn't have an easy start to his pro career uh played a bit on the alps tour uh played a bit on the challenge tour with not a huge amount of success but when we when we started to talk to him, you know, the one thing we kept hearing was when he's in a position to win, he, he, he can win. 
Um, mm-hmm. And he proved that, right? He, he went to tour yeah. school, got his card and won twice in his first year on the on the European tour. So for me, what, what that shows is that the, the, the margins are getting smaller and smaller between, between the tours and the European tour because some of these younger guys, when they do get through and do break that barrier, yeah. they, they can win. They're not afraid of winning. These young guys coming through now, they're fearless, you know? Mm. So... Um, as the best way of identifying young talent, yeah, having to spend quite a lot of time sort of scouting the maybe the amateur circuits or yeah, the App Store Challenge Tour, or yeah, for me, it's one of the fun, most fun part of the jobs um, because to constantly look for that next talent and what have you, um, and you're definitely looking more than just at the scoreboard. You know, for us, definitely, we look at attitude you know, how that particular golfer um, handles himself um, mm. and speak to people in their circle and people who know them. We really do try and find out a lot more than just um, what they what they score. Um, and I think that probably, you know, we talk about Guido, he would probably be a prime example of that. We, we heard a lot of great things about him, you know, that uh, this fearless... Um, fearless nature he has and, and stuff like that and obviously he's gone to, to prove us right on that occasion but yeah it's a, it's a real fun part um, we've got a, a team which is growing now and we're, we're constantly looking at the the amateurs coming through and and it's a real fun part of the job you know to see you know who, who is coming through and and uh, seeing how they may do if you, you secure their signature how they go on to, to do right and I guess on that note do you find it quite um competitive between other management companies sort of are there would you find that there's three or four of you chasing after one player or yeah do you know do you know what um you know we're very respectful of, of those other agencies mm. we're, we're the new kids on the block if you like uh we have the utmost respect for the other companies um we like to do things our way um we we don't discuss other management companies when we're chatting to players you know we we sell ourselves and we sell what we're yeah. about um and if they genuinely you know we'd never want to recruit a player who's not who who doesn't believe we're the right people for the the job to help them in their next step of their career um yeah. so so yeah of course you know i think you'd worry if you were talk you know if you were after a player who was a really great player you'd probably worry a little bit if no one else had heard of him or people weren't after him that that's a compliment to the player and obviously what they've obviously done in their career to date but yeah. um, we just try and focus on on what we can control and um you know we we feel we have a, a good story behind us and uh yeah if a, if a player feel feels we're the right guys to take them to, to to help them with their next step then then we're all too delighted you know there's no big scraps on the uh, practice grounds or <laughs> anything, anything like that, no. And do you find you spend more time on the amateur circuit than you do on the Pro Tour? Um, probably not now. I think um, probably initially when we started the business, um, I brought in a, a great um, player manager, Jack Barber, who formerly was working with Matt Wallace and uh, Matthias Swab and he's looked after some great names. He's a younger guy. He's, he's overseeing that area for us now in terms of the amateur circuit. Um, I, I'd like to think now our, our name is out there in golf more now. So certainly 
we're giving more people approach us about uh, our brand and our story. Um, so we're, yeah, our business will always be about developing talent. That's our bread and butter, and and absolutely, we'll always invest in in being at you know amateur events, being at the sort of feeder tour events where we can. We've got some really exciting stuff. I think going to happen next year on some of the developmental tours. Um, my time is probably split seventy thirty. I would spend more time now on the main tours because that's obviously where our players are sort of trending towards but we'll never ever turn our back on what our company is about and that's developing developing talent and uh, mm. we'll always have that conveyor belt of talent hopefully coming through with the business on that point how do you um how do you typically i know it's very very broad sort of open question but what are the sort of things you look for when you're when you're trying to identify that young talent is it a case of maybe you know looking at the news coming out of these national golf unions and maybe representative honours or how they've done in their kind of national amateur events? Is it maybe a case of, you know, there are top swing coaches out there who might be coaching one of your more established players and will say, I've got a really good young amateur coming up as well. Are there a lot of different areas you'll maybe look to to try and identify those up and coming talents? Yeah, I think you probably what you said there, it's a little bit of everything. You know, right. you do you do, do your research, you do look at your world amateur rankings, you do um you do um you know, listen to um coaches uh who maybe is looking after one of your players, um, who as may have another young player coming through and stuff. So there's a number of different ways you would um would look for to sign talent. Um, but for us, it's all about um, attitude and, and work ethic. You know, I think mm. if these guys have, uh, you know, great talent, but their attitude right and their work ethic is second to none, I think that is a really, really powerful combination. Um, and that's something we're, we're, we're big into. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing because as I say, there's no real formula as such. You know, you look at, you're in Poulter's, you look at, you know, there are many ways to, to, to make it, you know, absolutely. You've got your Rory's and your Tigers who have that, what appears to be, I'm sure they've all had their challenges, you know, in their careers early on as well, to, to some degree, but it's a quite seamless journeys in golf. But then you have got other guys who maybe develop a little bit later, you know, do have their struggles who maybe go under the radar a little bit mm. as well. So, you know, Matt, Matt Wallace, he played Euro pro, um, for a long time, you know, he probably broke through, I, I don't know exactly his age, but I think it was 25, 26 when he had his proper breakthrough on the European tour, which would be seen now to be mm, quite yeah. a developer. Um, so he won like five times on the Alps tour, I think, didn't he? Which, yeah, which not many people did, yeah. um, seem I think to he remember, did. but yeah, he, he won like four events in a row or, or some crazy number. And then from there kind of kicked on, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, he was, a. He was probably so. My, I guess my point was that you know there are loads of different ways of kind of finding your way in the pro game. But uh, yes, yeah, certainly research, research, research will take you so far. I and mean, it's definitely about meeting that that particular player and, and getting a feel for what they're about. And if also if their goals align with what what we want, you know, and um, we mm. have kind of a quite of a, a strong opinion on how we feel we can help take that. That yeah. player support them a bit so i guess it's you know just making sure those those marry up really 
And um, you mentioned earlier on that um, you're now pretty established in the uh, in the industry. Um, how did you manage to establish yourself so quickly? And what are the differences in working for yourself compared to working for a big company like TaylorMade Adidas? Um, yeah, so I guess if I'm, I'm being completely honest, I, I, I think we're probably a bit ahead of schedule. You know, um, you really are, our business is based on our talent. Um, simple, you know, good, good talent and what have you is, is everything that Modest Golf is about. And without that, we're, we're nothing. Um, we were fortunate to make some good decisions, find players who really bought into our vision because they did have to initially because essentially we were a new company with an entertainment background. Um, mm. Obviously, Niall Horan being attached to the business created excitement, but you still needed to prove your stripes and, and, and show your credibility, right? Um, so we were fortunate to have some really good young players buy into what we're about, buy into um, working hard and, and us helping create opportunities. And I guess it, it's kind of snowballed from there. But I mean, the first two years of the business, you know, we, we didn't have any European tour players. We didn't have players on any of the biggest tours. It was definitely, a, um, you know, a, it was, I wouldn't say a struggle, but it was, um, it was a, it was a longish process. And then obviously oh, yeah. the last 18 months have been fantastic. You know, we've had 10 worldwide wins and winning the uh, America and obviously the European tour wins and, the stable has, um, I guess, as a business grows and generated more excitement, it created more exciting opportunities. I think it also, um, for me, I feel it inspired a few of the players. You know, there's definitely something about one of your players winning and then mm. that inspires someone else. And um, and, it, and it really sort of um, snowballed from there, really. So we're, we're kind of delighted to be where we're at. Um, in terms of um, working for TaylorMade Adidas, you know that is a, an incredible company, and I think any young young people listening to this who who want to break into the golf industry, I think it's a, those sorts of companies are great places to start. You know, um, as I say, get any kind of job they have going, um, whatever it's doing. You know, I mean, the tour team, which, you know, lots of uh, great players who, who want to maybe work with the golf professionals, the tour team for TaylorMade, for example, these are guys who, who started off at the very bottom at TaylorMade. Now they travel around the world fitting some of the best golfers in the world. Um, you know, incredible jobs, um, which I know um, lots of people would aspire to, to want to be involved in. So companies like your TaylorMade and your, your Titlesses and, and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're fantastic businesses to associate yourself with. They're obviously global companies. Um, Modest Golf is a very boutique agency and um, it's obviously a different way of working. It's, we, we, with our business, we can be more kind of... Um, we can change things easier. There's less of a hierarchy to have to go through to make decisions. We can really mold our, our culture and, and where we want to take it and stuff really. Um, but yeah, I absolutely loved every, every moment of working for, for those guys and um, they're exciting brands to work for. If you're, if you're, if you're a golf fan, I mean, uh, you, you boys all said earlier, you're, you're great golfers. If I gave you the keys to the tour, the tour truck, <laughs> tour room, uh, you wouldn't leave. And if you did, you'd leave <laughs> Stuff yeah. on your arm there. Literally, it's it's golfing heaven for you, golf fans, right? Now, uh, Khaled eat his dinner in there, probably knowing him <laughs> and his uh, <laughs> his lust. Oh yeah, I'm uh, 
Well, I wouldn't say a fiddler. That sounds wrong. But um, yeah, I certainly like to uh, tinker with clubs and regrepping and whatever else. And um, oh, really? Yeah, it's all a bit of fun. You'll have to join us at an event. I don't know which uh, event, depending on your schedules. When when we get back out there, you guys have to come and and come on one of the trucks and and see how it's done. Oh, that's awesome. very kind. Do not let do not let Cal in. He will not leave. I think we probably we'd snap your hand off. Absolutely. It kind of looked to me like as if we could get all the gear but no idea kind of vibe, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. have that have that pasted on the grip in in big letters. That'd be good. Um, yeah. Chris Trot, I think is he he's one of the guys who's posts a lot for TaylorMade on Instagram, and he puts up some beautiful looking clubs on a pretty regular basis and he's quite involved i think with fitting you know the the, the best players who best players in the world who taylor made seem to have have all of them at the moment it's yeah chris um, i've known chris for 10 12 years and it, it kind of goes back to my point about you know young people who do want to to break into the golf world and the golf industry you know by by doing those jobs initially which aren't maybe the most glamorous you meet so many people mm. when i was talking when i was in the factory when i was at university chris trot had just started out on tour for TaylorMade. you know 12 years on i'm speaking to him now about a contract or this or that or yeah or with a brand so you know it is an industry i think when people go into they tend to stay in it because you know you get up you get up every day and you get to talk about golf, right? Which as, you know, if you're a sports fan and stuff, you're in a really, really lucky position that you can call that your job. So, um, yeah, Chris is a great guy. I love what he's doing with, um, you know, going back to the whole thing about having golf needs to evolve. I think influencers and and guys like yourself doing podcasts, all, all things which can generate excitement away from, the actual golfers themselves you know and and, and increase the number of people listening uh you know for me this is how younger people now digest their information um so what chris has done with that that whole uh, trotty trotty golf and and what have you is is great and yeah. i think any golf nut just loves to see the behind the scenes content and and what these guys do with the best players in the world to get them to to perform to such a high standard Definitely. In terms of, um, but modest, in terms of uh, your sort of day-to-day, a day in the life and sort of running schedules and um, yeah. brand sponsorships and what have you, what would um, what would that, what would a day consist of? Yeah, um, generally, uh, without swerving the question, every day is different. Um, yeah. Um, no, no two days are the same. Um I guess like how I always describe it is what we try and do for the player is all we really want them to do is hit good golf shots. So if they hit the good golf shots and and take care of that, then we we try and take away everything else away from them. Um, And it can be, you know, contract negotiations. It can be um, schedule planning. I was in, um, I was in Dubai with Connor Simon, Ewan Ferguson. I ended up in the hotel finding their, their golf shirts for them um wow. so the, the array of what can fall under a, a player manager and, and all that kind of stuff is pretty pretty wide um but uh yeah there's no real t- two days which are uh, the same but uh yeah certainly a, i'm very privileged and, and lucky and um to to work in in something which i love and obviously traveling the world and attending some of the best events in the world is is a great um line of work to be in you know as a as a as a golf fan which i have been since i was five six when my dad introduced me to the game 
Absolutely. What's it like um, having Niall on board, you know, from the beginning with Modest? I bet he, he brings some pretty brilliant insights, albeit from a very different industry that, that he's achieved a lot of fame and success in. He must be pretty, you know, accustomed to all the pressures, you know, the, the external pressures of, of fans and sponsorship arrangements and that kind of thing. Is, is he quite a calming influence and someone that a lot of your younger players who are just start, starting out can get a lot of sort of benefit from chatting to him and how, how you manage the, the different things that, that go into being a, a professional golfer? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I mean, for me personally, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, I was having a good career with TaylorMade and Adidas. I was in a good position for a company I loved. Um, so I certainly wouldn't have made that move unless I was 100% confident in, in Niall and, and his vision and his commitment to it. Um, Niall's a great guy. He's very clean living. He loves golf and a few pints away from his day-to-day. Well, that that's his that's his love. You know, he loves golfing and he loves having a few pints with the boys. He's the most normal, uncoolest pop star you'd probably ever meet because he is so normal, right? He's not rock and roll. <laughs> he's a genuine guy with the same friends around him as he's had since he was, you know, five six years old. So before any fame. So for me, it's it's inspirational to work with someone who's obviously been very successful in what they do. You're right. Um, yes, he can't, um, you know, yes, he hasn't lived in the golf world as in growing up. But what he has, as you say, is he's, he's lived this life with a number of pressures, um, you know, earning money very young, um, you know, lots of different things which a young sportsman would go through as well. Many crossovers. So he's been incredible to our younger talent as they come through. He's always on the end of a phone. He's in every email. He's on every WhatsApp group we have. He's so, you know, and he, uh, you know, yes, he absolutely does interviews and, and what have you, but uh, still one of the most sort of common questions I get is how involved is he? He's involved in, you know, I spoke to him twice today about, about stuff and it's not just the top end stuff. It's quite, you know, my new stuff. He, he, he very much has helped and worked to shape the company from, from day one because, you know, his, his mentality was always, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it our way and we're going to do things a little bit differently and, and touch wood. And, and, you know, it, it, it seems to have been perceived well. And we've, we feel we've established our credibility when I think when, you know, it first came out, I think it was a tabloid who, who, who ran the story that Niall was opening up a golf agency. I think, you know, lots of people thought, you know, are we going to set, pick five golfers and turn them into like a band or, you know, like people thought yeah. it would be reality style. And it, it, it's, it's, it's as far away from that as possible. You know, we don't want to be, you know, involved in, in gimmicky, uh, gimmicky stuff. We like, you know, we absolutely want to be involved in the forefront of in, innovations. You know, I think uh, you'll have heard of our event in Northern Ireland, which was the first uh, male and female event to, play alongside each other for an equal prize fund yep. and stuff. That was a really important message. That was fantastic. So we, we want to be involved in, in, in tweaking certain aspects of the, the game if we can. Um, but we want to stay away from anything sort of remotely gimmicky, but, but sorry, yeah, in answer to your question, he's a, he's a great guy to work with. He's inspirational and, uh, he, he gets on so well with, um, all, all the players. They really do, you know, we try and make, uh, we, they become friends as well as clients, right? And uh, the, yeah. the boys and girls who we, we represent love him and uh, try and see him as much as they can. 
Excellent. And now, I, think, I guess I sort of staying on that. I think a few of them have given him golf lessons over the years as well. So oh, really? <laughs> He looks like a mad keen golfer. Yeah, I've seen him at the Masters a, a couple of times. On he is mad. He absolutely loves a game. He taps up anyone he can for lessons and advice and tips. And he's, he, um, he self-taught himself on the guitar when he was younger. He learned the guitar off YouTube. So he's big into like, like learning. So he will go on, uh, you know, I talk about him being an uncle pop star, you know, you go on his Instagram tiles and you'll see all, all he looks for is, um, golf like advice on, on Instagram, digest that and then tries to tweak it because he's obviously been used to sort of self teaching. Um, so yeah, so he, he hits up all sorts of YouTube tips and advice on how to to play better golf and stuff. So yeah. So he's single, single figures. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's, uh, he's playing off eight, um, plays to a decent eight. Um, we're actually fortunate, um, to, to play Augusta national last year. And he, he had to make five up the last to break 80 and he made six. He hit it into the oh. tree. So, um, I'm probably finishing working for modest after this. If he hears, I'll put it on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a really good, good player. Yeah. He's, he's now he's got the opportunity to play more than when he was on the road, obviously with one direction. Uh, mm. he, um, he's investing in, in the game where he can and, uh, it's paying off. He's a, he's a, He's a great player. Brilliant. And on, um, and I know um, you guys do uh, a lot for the tours, and I know which I assume has probably been affected this year. Sadly, I know you guys did the Irish Challenge, running that on the Challenge Tour. Yeah, so um, uh, it's not the Irish Challenge; it's the World Invitational, which is based in Northern Ireland. Uh, the Irish Challenge is the one in the south. But yeah, we, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to complain because it is what it is. We, we want that event to happen when we can get great crowds in and to do it right. So if that means we have to leave it for a year and start in 2021, obviously that's what we'll do. Um, but yeah, the whole, the whole schedule and what have you has been, um, been turned on its head really. And I'm just grateful. I think now we're starting to hear new stories. Obviously the masters is returning in November. Um, three of the four majors have survived and hopefully all being well, we'll play Ryder cup fingers crossed. So, you know, I think once we get through this, this period, the golf fans are the winners, right? Cause they are going to have so much incredible live sport to digest from August, September time onwards. Yeah. And I think there's lots of questions to still be answered on world rankings and FedEx mm. points and all that kind of stuff. But I think everyone's just trying to play catch up at the moment. So I think the important thing is to just try and get live sport up and running again, as soon as it's safe to do so. And, and nobody's being put at risk from that because obviously there is a, a much bigger picture going on. But um, yeah, I think whilst our event, um, will will be pushed to 2021 i think you know that's a small sacrifice to get things back up and running and uh I, I, as i say modest hat off to just to be able to think in september we're going to have all these great tournaments to watch um and the masters in november i mean that's going to be so strange but cool and exciting to to, to kind of see how that that's played right absolutely and um you you also run the um the Rosenhorn biannual event, don't you? Are you still hoping that that's going to go ahead in September? It's due this September, isn't it? Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed. Um, we're still planning for it. Um, you know, everything 
what I found about this whole obviously process at the moment is you can speak to 10 different people and they've all spoke to different people who think yeah. things are back at certain times. Right. Um, seems like yeah. everyone's got a friend of a friend of a friend on Cobra or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. some special <laughs> committee. Yeah. I know, I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you see, did you hear the one about the lasagna and the uh, Wembley? Did you see that? Yeah. One? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, so it's hard to really know exactly, but we feel September's a, a strong, a strong month. Um, if everything continues to, to kind of trend in the way it is, um, obviously, I know the US tour kind of come out now and started to say events will return from June, um, which seems soon. But um, that's not for me to to really comment on on whether that happens or not. We we hope that we get the events back as soon as possible. But yeah, the Horde of Rose is scheduled for September. It's a our, it's our third um, third. We do it every other year with with Narlan and Justin, and this year we'll surpass two point five million raised for uh, children's charities across the world. And and That's really, incredible. Yeah, thank you. And and it really was just brought about by you know we go back to that point about um, golf and trying to make it a bit cooler. We, we wanted to create an event which kind of brought all the amazing things in the golf world to bring it and, and clash it with entertainment and music and, 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 and really, and that, that, that's exactly, exactly what it is. It's like a golf gala dinner and a golf day with a massive difference. And this year we've got Lewis Capaldi performing and obviously Niall and Justin all host it again. It's set to be a, another great evening and uh, raise, raise money for much needed needed charities which now more than ever you know here and obviously we deal with uh, cancer research uk a lot and mm. forget when we're in the midst of all this and we're all complaining about how we're not able to go out you know these charities have pretty much had the tap switched off you know yeah five k mm. charity or they can't do uh, marathons you know the marathons have all been cancelled and you forget really you know it's 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 easy to forget about how people like that are just completely affected by this. So I think it'll be more of a, more than ever, a, a really, really special, um, special, you know, event to be a part of. Yeah, I t- totally agree. It's, as you say, it's a time where I think we gain a lot of perspective about what, you know, the, the really important things in life. And, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I imagine there's a lot of tour pros as well who, who are kind of struggling with, their kind of futures being thrown into a lot of uncertainty in the coming months but you know looking at charities in comparison there's obviously there's other stuff out there that we really need to prioritize as well so uh yeah i'm sure that'll be it'll be brilliant to pull that event off fingers yeah. crossed uh in september. well um business as usual at the moment and we, we hope it will and i think you know touching upon that i think it there is something about we are all in this together right everyone's in yeah. the same boat we've all got our concerns about what's going on in the the outside world but we can only kind of control so much and and we hope that we kind of get back to some degree of normality and I'll tell you what I know. I think I've learned a lot, massive lesson in taking things for granted, you know, just the thought of getting a seven iron again or, um, yeah, go on, uh. it, it certainly, uh, brings a few home truths, right. It makes you realize what's important. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's one, one topic that's been floating around in the news, I guess, over the last two or three weeks is, um, the golf premier league. Have you guys, heard much on that have you been approached or um yeah so i've loved listening to it um because it has obviously 
um, created a lot of attention and, and what have you. Um, I think, you know, obviously what Roy came out and said and, and some of the other high profile guys, I'm interested to see how they now can, um, take that on, you know, without your Roy's and your tigers, yeah. I think it's flawed. Right. Um, I'm all for, um, in, you know, people creating innovative ideas, if it's good for the game, um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm 35, right? So I'm kind of at that age where I want to see certain traditions kept in golf. Yeah. Because mm. I think, you know, that's how I, when I grew up playing with older people, shaking hands with them at the end, I feel it all gave me massive life lessons for, you know, Definitely. growing into a man or whatever. But then at the same time, I also see the other side and I want to see the game come on. I want to see certain formats changed without affecting the majors and the, the bigger, more traditional events. So I kind of want to see, I love, for example, what, some of the brands, Adidas's, Nike's are doing in fashion side. Cause I think if we can make the game cooler and kids want to, you know, kids can dress a little bit more how they want. I think that will, you know, allow people to, to come in. So I'm kind of like, I'm always up for, I'm always, I'm always open to listening to ideas. You know, some are way too far out there. The Premier League's an interesting one. It's not my cup of tea. Um, Mm. I love what the tours are, are out there doing. I think, you know, it, it, there's too much. I think what the last couple of years has shown, there's, yes, the world top 50 is your pinnacle, but there's so much amazing talent outside that pool. So for me, focusing everything on that Premier League golf, um, it really does a disservice to all those incredible young guys breaking through yeah. who exactly. are not in that. And I want to see an 18 year old kid who's just made it on tour suddenly in a, in a, in a position where he's, he's challenging one of the bigger players and stuff. So for, for me, well, like, like Rose at Birkdale or, or when you see Matt yeah. break through at, at Carnegie, yeah. those in a way are, are, yeah, just, just kind of piggybacking on your point there, those breakout moments in majors, you know, the most elite fields of all, um, yeah. seeing some amateur just go and take the lead on day one or, or finish top five on Sunday. That That's, the great thing about our sport is in theory, you know, through, through that open kind of format, anyone, if they're good enough could get in there and get, you know, you can kind of rise to the top pretty quickly. And yeah. the premier league of golf seems to take that away from us a bit. Yeah. It? And like, you know, Christian Bazain, who do we, we spoke about earlier, he's got an incredible story. He has just mm. broken into the top 50, but you know, the, the last 12 months, some of the tournaments he's played, it's been really, for me, it's quite inspiring. I think it's inspiring for young kids who've maybe had issues growing up. Um, you know, obviously Christian's got a, a lifelong incurable stutter. Um, you know, it's magical moments like that. I mean, he's one mm. of our players. There's also the Hogarth twins. One of them just won on the European tour a few yeah. months back. You know, will those names, I guess, be be as promoted in the way they are if, if suddenly you're just focused. Don't get me wrong, I, I want to watch, you know, Tiger. There's no one who moves a needle like Tiger, right? Um, your Rory's, your Justin's, absolutely, you want to watch them, but you also want all the other sort of subplots. And I think mm. for me that, that Premier Golf um, would would lose some of the magic of what we, we love about the game and about seeing the next lot of players come through. But um, yeah, I mean, those, those decisions will be made far above my station but for me the work that the pga tour the european tour do and all those tours underneath it who are constantly 
developing this great hungry next generation of talent i just would never want to see that kind of um be demoted so uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how it rolls out but i kind of it feels like a should be fizzing the, out hopefully yeah, a lot of the top boys seem to have uh have said it's it's no from from them you know do you think part of it as well is perhaps you know certainly amongst the younger players it seems there's a more scrutiny or more awareness about where some of the money's coming from and i know some guys there's obviously mixed mixed opinions out there but some of the younger players don't want to go and play um in saudi or they don't want to play in turkey and if things like that are really sensitive, if they're not sure where the, the, the money's coming from with um, the, the PGL, there's, that might be another sort of sort of spanner in the works or another issue yeah. that they've got to kind of take into account. Yeah, and I'm sure. And I think, um, you know, if you look at the, the top guys, you know, they are in a position where they can sort of pick and choose through yeah. obviously great careers. They can pick and choose where they play. So they, they really have an opportunity to to really um, make statements if they don't want. It is harder for some of the younger guys. You know, if you're a, a player who's just broken through onto the European tour and you've got an opportunity to play in a country where maybe you don't agree with um, some of the cultural choices that country's making, but mm. young player and it's a good purse and a good week there could potentially secure your card it's it is a yeah. dilemma for them and it's a no-brainer almost yeah 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 and so it is difficult and you know they're not fortunate like some of the best players in the world to skip that week and then you'll you know you can go and play for x amount the, the next week so it is difficult um and you know it's unfortunate that i guess you know that has to be talked about um you know, for, for a golf tournament, but I, I understand completely why, but it, it's a, it is, it's hard for the younger players. Uh, you know, you look at the, 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 the ladies game, you know, there's an event in Saudi, um, which the ladies have, and, you know, they have very, they've had so lack of events over the last couple of years. It's a real difficult one for them to, to turn mm. their nose down to play anywhere. They'd fly to the, arctic to play if they had to they just want to play golf they want to share their talent they want to win tournaments and it's a, it's a really really tricky one and it's it's difficult to to really comment on because obviously everyone has their own uh morals and and what have you for me i just i would i can't judge you know um it, it really is down to a personal personal opinion on a player if they want to play in a country which they don't agree with some of the stuff going on there you know um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting uh, interesting talking point, that's for sure. Absolutely. I, um, just changing tack a little bit, if you'd allow us one more topic of your time, since you've been very generous so far. Um, I was wondering, with regard to sponsorship and things like that, um, how does all that situation work? Do you have to... Are you on the phones grafting for your players, or um, do they come to you and say, oh, I really like... Rolex watches go get me a sponsorship um if I think no it doesn't work like that because uh, <laughs> you'd have uh, 15 players saying that um no uh yeah we, we try and develop um stories with our players we kind of want really like good fits really like organic relationships um for example you know if if you've got a guy who's really into his fitness, you want to try and position him for me in that kind of space. Um, 
with some of the partners they work with because it, it worked for them rather than having you know, a, a company which had no association, no passion for. It doesn't always work like that, of course, you know, and sometimes, you know, if a younger player just needs some some support, they kind of take it where, where they can. And if a company's kind enough to support them, they will. But we, we try and develop um, stories as much as we can. Um, it, it is a tough space, you know, now more than ever, obviously, with the economy and everything going on. But, you know, golf, you're, we are lucky that golf is a sport which is um loved you know universally you've got lots of ceos of companies who who want to to be involved who want to have um some sort of invested interest in the game so it's 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 there's no set pattern but um certainly there are companies you would target based on the player you're looking for, if that makes sense. Would you say there's a little relationship between Tyrrell and Xbox there? Yeah. Is that, is that an obvious yeah. one? <laughs> yeah, no, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely in that, in that space, isn't he? And he, he loves it. So, uh, yeah, he, he's done a couple of things with, um, very sort of online gaming, gaming things, but yeah, good, uh, you're in the wrong sport. You're in the wrong game, though. <laughs> I know. I need to leave property and um, yeah. get get into golf full time. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but when um, so obviously you've had some some great success with uh, a lot of your players, uh, with Miliotti and Bazaden Hart and, and Terrell obviously winning over at Bay Hill. Um, how does that position you in terms of your sponsorship? Does that um, do you then have people sort of? banging down the door to get hold of the player and, and that, or, or does it give you more leverage to go back to your current sponsors and possibly negotiate new, new deals? Um, yeah, I think, you know, profile is always good, right? You know, if, if an athlete in any sport is performing to a high level, it creates more interest. Um, you know, talking to someone like Till, he's fiercely loyal to the companies who've supported him from the start. So where, where he can, he always looks to continue those partnerships. And, and in most cases they can, right? Because, Sponsors want to be on that journey, whether it be at the start or or when a player um, reaches some of his 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 career goals. So, um, you, you know, sponsorships do evolve naturally, and, and and new brands do knock on the door. You know, of course, some of the bigger brands they all want to be associated with success, right? So, the the, the kind of the, the golf does the talking. You know, as as you know, we can do our jobs to um, the best we can, but there's nothing stronger than, uh, you know, a player in any sport performing to a higher level. And if, if they do, then their their opportunities and their rewards tend to always come. Excellent. Well, I think to, uh, to wrap it up, what's the, um, what's the first thing you're going to do and when, um, when you can leave the house when it's all over? Uh, Hit a seven iron with this hand, have a drink with my friends with this hand. But no, <laughs> what when we're first allowed out of the house? Yeah, um, that's got to be. It's probably going to be golf course, isn't it? It'll be a golf course followed by a few drinks with the boys in the clubhouse after. Isn't Definitely. Yeah. I think I think we'll be doing the same. Yeah, Popular yeah. choice there. I Sounds think. Awesome. Definitely, and and hopefully, there's. You know, I, I really hope that there's going to be a. I'm really hoping there's going to be a spike in the game once we, we return back to normal, you know, the summer months, hopefully we'll still be here. And uh, I think, you know, people are desperate to play. And when you deny people stuff, it makes it want it more. Right. So yeah. I'm really hoping that um, once everyone gets out of this safely, that there's a real kind of 
um, spike a game in the game of golf and uh, we can all get out there and play and, and, and watch on the TV all this amazing sport which we've got coming up. But Mark, you've been uh, incredibly generous with your time and um, your, your story and, and everything has been so interesting and, and how you got into it. And we want to really just thank you for coming on. No, thank you. And, and as I say, keep up the, the great work. I, I love what you guys are doing. And uh, yeah, you're welcome to, to come uh, to an event. Um, unfortunately, the Masters actually, there's no tickets for that one. But if you want to come to uh, <laughs> the ones in England, uh, no, we'd love to, we'd love to have you an event sometime soon. And um yeah, keep up the great work. We uh, we wish you all the best for the um, remainder of the season and um, whenever that may be, and it kicks off again. And um, you guys are doing a great thing, and keep it up, keep it going. Thanks so much, and we'll, we'll see you guys soon. Hopefully, we we're coming back on in a few months with uh, some some wins or some some great stories to tell you. Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Mark. Appreciate that. Yeah, stay safe. Cheers. Bye bye. Stay bye-bye. safe. Cheers. Watch bye. this.